0: THE INCISION PART 3 Since Sparky died with Nick's depression inside him, Nick had put on 17 and a half pounds. He walked over to the kitchen and grabbed a block of cheese with some crackers and a knife. No, he wasn't going to let himself eat any more cheese. He had to be healthy, so he put it back in the fridge, shut the door, and grabbed a bundle of six bananas from the countertop. His specialty had always been picking out the one that was both the ripest and the smallest. It was a secret of his that he disliked eating misshapen, firm bananas. They made him feel like he was sucking a dick. It wasn't that he was homophobic or anything. On the contrary. On the spectrum of sexuality, he felt closer to bisexuality than anything else. This used to make him depressed when he had depression in him, but with Sparky gone, he would never be depressed again. Nick and Sparky used to have a ritual of watching a movie every afternoon when Nick came home from work. Most often, they watched the works of Martin Scorsese. Their favorite was Taxi Driver. Nick figuratively and literally got off on the scene where Scorsese played a taxicab passenger who talked about killing his wife. His excitement spread to Sparky, who often responded by hopping on the couch and humping Nick's left foot. This normally drove Nick mad, but he was so enthralled by the director's performance and De Niro's reaction that he didn't give much of a shit. It wasn't like Sparky fully understood what he was doing. It was all in good fun, he told himself. Yes, those were the good days and Nick didn't even realize it. No one ever told Nick how quiet the inside of an ambulance would be. He expected the siren to blast in his ears all the way to the hospital. Ring, 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 ring. At least that's what Nick expected when Sparky found his way into his old stockpile of antidepressants. It was a good thing it took him all night to nudge open the drawer and Nick might not have found him lying in a pile of his own vomit. That was it for him. He couldn't let Sparky suffer anymore. He had to undo his transfer and take back his depression. He'd only had one suicide attempt in his lifetime. This was Sparky's third attempt in six months. Everyone, including Nick's parents, told him that if he went through with the reversal, they'd cut him off. No one could bear to see him in such pain again. He thought it was incredibly selfish of them. Maybe he was the one that was incredibly selfish. He gave his pain to Sparky without even asking. Though in the initial incision they did speak, Sparky called him the most miserable son of a bitch he had ever met. It was true. Nick's depression made him miserable, but it didn't give him the permission to act like a dick to everyone around him because of it. So he opted for the reversal, whatever the consequences may be. It was during the procedure that Nick planned to speak to Sparky one last time. Thank you for doing this for me, said Sparky. I hope you enjoyed your year without the burden I carried for you. You see why I was such a miserable son of a bitch now, don't you? Asked Nick back. I just want to watch Taxi Driver with you like the good old days. I don't know what things will be like after this, bud. We'll always have movies. I know... Nick woke up on the operating table to learn that Sparky had died during the incision before the depression could be transferred back. It would take a decade to learn that Dr. Calvian had purposefully killed over 500 pets during reverse transfer operations so the human could remain without their mental illness. A group of corporate lawyers put together a lawsuit to take the doctor down. Within an hour of learning of their actions, Dr. Calvian took his own life. Leaked journals revealed that he had been suffering from a dark depression since his early teens, but since he hated animals so much, he never owned a pet and was never able to transfer. It took Nick a few years to lose the 150 pounds he'd put on over the past decade. He had to have surgery to tighten his skin. Something about going under anesthesia once again gave him a form of PTSD he wasn't even aware he had. It became clear that he needed to strengthen himself mentally if he was going to go through with the procedure, so he began a regimen of therapy and medication. Months passed and nothing helped. His therapist finally suggested he adopt a shelter dog and give it his PTSD. He drove to a local shelter after his appointment and looked at the line out the door. Mental illness had increased from 20% of the population of more than half of it. Most people were calm, but some people were shaking and in tears. He knew he couldn't be like these people. He couldn't let those like Dr. Calvian win again. The next day, he agreed to have his excess skin removed, and within two weeks, he was back on the operating table. During the procedure, a familiar voice popped in his head. It took him a while to realize it was Sparky's. I'd tell you what Sparky told him, but when Nick told me about the procedure, he said never to tell a soul. So I won't. But I will tell you this. Nick shed tears on the operating table. The doctors weren't sure if it was pain, sorrow, or joy. All they could do was carry on. When he woke up, he was in the worst pain he'd been in in his entire life. He knew he'd been scarred, but something told him the future was bright. Over the course of the next week, he wrote a long letter to Martin Scorsese thanking him for all the love his films brought to him and Sparky over the years. He must have quoted Taxi Driver 15 times throughout the 10-page letter. I remember watching him write it with the passion of an innocent inmate trying to fight his way out. He must have licked the seal 150 times just to make sure it landed as he hoped. There was even a moment that he dreamt of Scorsese using the letter as inspiration for a film or maybe just a prop in the background of a movie. Months passed. Scorsese never wrote back. Nick couldn't be sure if it was because he was an asshole, he was busy, or he just sent it to the wrong address. Everyone told him it was probably the wrong address, but he couldn't send out the letter again. It was handwritten, he'd made no copies, and his memory wasn't so good since his most recent dive under anesthesia. The best shot he had at happiness was to adopt a new dog, which he did. He named him Roscoe. Roscoe loved to go through the garbage and chew on banana peels. So one day, Nick held the banana like a gun and pointed it at Roscoe's face in Travis Bickle fashion. He wagged his tail and barked, waiting to slip on his treat. The incision part three is actually also part two of uh, the second story in the book called The 31-Year-Old Dirtbag. I'm not going to explain the connection, but for those that are very avid readers and listeners, you can probably see it now that I say it. So next up is number 34, My Dog Ate My Homework, and then the finale, number 35, Finding Oliver. Thank you so much for listening up to this point or picking this random one to listen to. I don't know why you would pick a part three to listen to randomly, but I really hope you're enjoying them, and thanks for listening. Bye.